You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on the 23rd of June. Please don't mind the sound of my voice. I am still sick, but I am getting better. How are you doing today? <laughs> A little tired, but I can't complain. All right. Before we get into the topic of discussion for this week, what do you think about all the Spider-Man stuff? Because I find it super interesting that that in the comics... Spider-Man is now going to be black Puerto Rican, but for movies, he's still going to be as white as a glass of milk. Can't say I'm surprised. Like, That's it? You're not disappointed? We, we we had hopes, but no, I, I can't be disappointed because I never got my hopes up. Ah, see, I did. I, I, I set the bar low enough that I could not possibly <laughs> be disappointed. <laughs> Well, I did. What's funny is that I was talking to somebody else about it on Twitter, too, and they were saying that actually they'd announced that Spidey would continue to be white for the the time being, and I actually hadn't even heard that. Last I'd heard where the rumors were, they were saying he wasn't going to be white. Yeah, from from what I heard from the casting calls, though, they were, all, they were looking for you know, white teenagers, basically. Yeah, so that's too bad. I'm actually interested in the director, though. Like, I haven't seen any of his films because he's done a lot of, like, foreign indie stuff, but... Uh, apparently his latest movie, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, has been getting really good reviews over in England. So I'm interested to see what he can do because he's a pretty much an unknown and his first major film is freaking Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Still. I wanted Miles and Genki. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm going to be disappointed in anything else. So I yeah, well. When I thought about what I wanted to do for this week here, I did... I, I did want to go back to some of the comments that I used to enjoy when I was younger. Now, for folks who haven't listened to early episodes of this podcast, like I used to read comics when I was a kid and into my very early teens and stopped in the, the early 80s, very early to mid 80s. And so some of the stuff from that time, as is to be expected, really was fantastic at the time, but in rereading it kind of left, in some cases, a whole lot to be desired, which is why whenever we're looking at comic books now and I'm trying to wrap my head around how I feel about it, I can I can convince myself and just tell myself, listen, it's just not for your age group. That doesn't make it bad. I just have to look at how I felt about Ambush Bug as a kid (laughs) and how much I loved that shit. I loved it. And you read it now and you're going, wow, I was a stupid, dull child apparently because, (laughs) yeah. One of the series that I did like as well at that time was Power Pack. Now, part of that was because of, obviously, my age, and it was written for a younger audience. But also, it was different for a lot of different reasons. Now, the reason that Power Pack came about is because in the early 80s, Marvel pushed a lot of their editors to also do some writing. And Louise Simonson initially didn't want to do 
any writing because she didn't want to take work away from the actual writers. But then they brought in a whole bunch of editors and suddenly she had a lot more free time. So she decided to give it a shot and she pitched the idea for Power Pack and eventually it was picked up. Now Power Pack has been around for actually quite a while. The initial run was 60, I believe 62 issues. And then it's come back again, time and time again. It's never been something that has been mainstream with Marvel, though we we really haven't seen it again in a lasting capacity where we could enjoy it for time to come and see the kids grow up as well. Mm -hmm. And that's a big one. So for folks who are not familiar with Power Pack, it is a story about four kids who are granted powers and... Conveniently, their last name is Powers as well. But but they're granted these powers. But instead of it being a a mutant story, which we'd been seeing a hell of a lot at the time, it's the classic trope of an alien comes down and gives them their power instead. And there's a lot of different classic sci-fi tropes in here, certainly. But even reading it again... I actually felt that it held up, especially if you factor in what I said just earlier about a series being written for a certain age group. If you look at the age group that this is aged, uh, that Mm -hmm. it's aimed for now, I think it still holds up just as well now as it did in the 80s. See, I never read Power Pack when I was a kid, but if I had read these six issues when I was, you know, eight or so, this would have been the greatest comic I've in the history of the planet, as far as I was concerned back then. Yeah. Like I, I, and we've looked back, like you said, at mini series. And again, the writing style is very much a product of the times, but the actual story and the personalities and a lot of the character development was more than holds up by some of today's standards. Oh yeah. Yeah. I suggested that you read, the first six issues because what happens in that time frame is you get the initial story arc, which actually lasts for a little while because there's a lot going on. Very with, uncommon back in the early eighties. Yeah. Well. So you've got like an alien invasion type thing and, and you've got the powers being given to them, them having to figure it out and all kinds of stuff. So you have that entire story, which transitions into a big move for the family to New York and then the sixth issue is that first issue where they have their first team up and with Spidey, of course, too. <laughs> and I remember owning all of these issues when I was a kid, too, which was it was cool to see that again. But I liked this again, these first six, just because they give us that that origin story for the kids, as well as that first fun team up issue kind of thing. And like you said, yeah, some of it is definitely of the time. The fact that Every single issue has to give you the same exposition to explain everything to everyone. Yeah, that's of the time. You can't get around that. That's just what it was. And it's annoying as all hell. (laughs) Not trying to say it's not, because trust me, it is. But the rest of it is fairly solid. I mean, you'd expect that from an editor as well. I mean, they're supposed to be on top of this in terms of other people's writing to be able to make suggestions and corrections and whatnot. So you would expect that they would not necessarily fall into the same pitfalls, although some do. 
But this is great. Like the, a lot of things could have happened with this. Because again, we have to look at what was going on at the time and how this could have easily just been yet another mutant story, which we love mutant stories, but there are other types of stories that you can tell as well. So, but it doesn't go that route. And then it doesn't go the route where the parents die or one of the parents die. And then that becomes the catalyst that moves the kids forward to do the right thing, quote unquote, or to avenge your parents' death or anything like that. No, it's a happy family. And the kids are actually good kids. Like they're not pains in the ass. They're not portrayed as being, you know, emo. There, There's moments where there are kids being kids and troublesome, but that's what kids are. They're a little intelligent for their age, but because you're looking at them being the the children of intelligent parents, very intelligent parents, then it kind of makes sense as well. We're gonna mm-hmm. look, you know, no further than Val and and stuff and Franklin to to be able to equate that in, in terms of other series. But they're they're good kids. So it, it's if you're looking for something that's extremely gripping because of the the kids have got all these deep issues to, they got to deal with and all that crap. It was not necessarily the right series for you, but <laughs> for just that really feel good at the right time series where the kids are believable and enjoyable. This, like I said, still held up for me and we're talking a number of years later now. Yeah. Like there were points where I kind of had to force myself to continue reading because it, the writing was just so dense to get through. For like, some of a, the issues. There's a couple issues where I skimmed a page or two. <laughs> but seeing, like, even just over the course of these six issues, seeing the kids grow, you know, as a team, as individual characters, you know, coming to grips with their situation, their parents being missing, you know, stepping up and doing the right thing in all these situations, it it, it was surprisingly great. Like, I had no knowledge of the power pack other than that they existed like i recognize alex because he's been in the ff comics and uh julie showed up in runaways for a while so i was familiar with the characters but i'd never read any of their actual comics and it i now realize it's something i kind of missed out on because i always hear people you know online going oh when's the power pack going to come back i was like why does anybody want those stupid kids back (laughs) and then i read these comics i was like oh that's why (laughs) The thing, too, is that, like, I read a lot of these, actually, and there were some very good stories in these as well. Some very, very good stories that I still recall today, and and also how they dealt with their powers, because it's not necessarily the, the a, a normal type of power that any of them really kind of have, mm-hmm. so... Simonson played with that as the issues progressed moving forward and explaining the whys and the things like that. As an example, Julie can fly really, really fast. Uh, you find out later, it's either at the speed of light or just past. And But the, she tries to science it up so that it kind of makes sense and whatnot and how she sees beyond the speed of light. And it was, again, it was cool, especially if you're reading it 
for in that age group. Mm-hmm. So if you're in your, you know, just under 10, I think even going into early teens easily with this, you're, you're, you're going to enjoy it. And the story, for those who aren't aware of it, and again, it, it falls heavily on other tropes that we've seen for sci-fis, is that the Powers' ki- uh, uh, father has developed this technology that has damn near wiped out another race. And they've been kind of keeping an eye on Earth because they, they like Earth and whatnot, and they're a more advanced race. But their world was wiped out because they came up with the same technology, which had a very bad reaction when they tested it and wiped out their planet. And so the Power's father, who's a scientist, has developed the same technology. And he thinks that it's going to be a renewable power source that the world can use but the people who are funding him are going to use it as as a weapon and so you have two different alien races that are monitoring what is going on here you have the good ones who blew up their planet and try to protect others from making the same mistake and then you have the others that are more of a lizard kind of race oh yeah and the other guys they're freaking horses why not (laughs) i laughed so hard when he climbed out because I recognize that race from other comics. And I was like, I didn't know what to expect. Like, oh my God, it's one of the horse guys. (laughs) So uh, a white horse named Whitey. (laughs) All right. And then the other race is more lizard kind of, of bad guys. And they want to get their hands on this technology so that they could use it, of course, as weapon and whatnot. They kidnap the power's parents and... Whitey kind of hooks up with the four powers kids in his AI ship. Who's awesome actually. And, uh, and he gets hurt though, as they're trying to rescue the parents and whatnot and decides to give his powers split up somehow to the powers kids so that they can save their planet because this technology is going to be tested and it's going to blow up the planet. So they save the day and yada, yada. And then they got to rescue their parents and, and stuff like that. And he, Later on, like I said, that first issue where they're in uh, in New York is the team up with Spider-Man 2. Nothing spectacular happens, but it still is. Yeah, bad pun, I know. But it is One of these still, days, we're going to have to think of an adjective we can use when we're talking Spider- about Spider-Man. Man. Because they've run the gamut. <laughs> Greg just doesn't do it sometimes, though. So. You need an amazing or a fantastic or a superior, even. Actually, superior all the time. Anyways... So that's basically it for, again, those those six issues. I, I don't want to spoil everything because I actually would encourage people to find these and, and check them out because they are fun to read. And they it is a, a, a nice window into that time as well that isn't just mutants, Wolverine, X-Men, and, and, and such, but just something unique and fun and different. Don't go looking for high drama, like I said. That's not what this is about. But if you're looking for something that you can also just read with your kids, then, or to introduce your kids to comics, this is actually a really, really good one. And it will get their imagination going. I was, I was very pleasantly surprised by these. Because when you told me we're reading Power Pack, I was like, oh, okay, Raj, it's your episode. We'll read whatever. But I, I actually ended up really enjoying them. Yeah. So let's move on to what we've been reading now. I actually don't have too many. Neither do I. It was a pretty boring week. Oh, yeah. I'm going to start with Old Man Logan. Did you read Mm -hmm. 
I did. Yeah. I like this one better than the first one. I'm getting... I liked it, but not much happened. No, definitely not. But I'm getting more of a sense of what we can expect moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you were to take, you know, first issue, this, and maybe even the next one and kind of trimmed and combined them all, that would make one cohesive first issue. <laughs> that being said, I keep saying all the time how I love Japanese stories because they take their time, be it in cinema or with manga or whatever. So this here is doing the same thing. It's taking its time, setting up frames, setting up shots, and and you're seeing some really cool scenes playing out. And now that I got a little bit better idea of where it's going. Yeah, I'm kind of digging it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there there's some interesting plot developments here that I, I I'm still a little confused about myself and oh, I, yeah. I'm really interested to see where Bendis goes with them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um have you been keeping up with Ultimate End? I didn't read the second one. The, the first one didn't do enough for me. Yeah, but you have to read it. It's no, I don't. the end of the Ultimate's universe. It's ended 3 times already. <laughs> Not like this. <laughs> I need to Not know like how it makes sense that Miles is the only Spider-Man. Where does Peter go? I haven't read I, these things. No, they, they said Miles isn't going to be the only Spider-Man. Peter's oh, I thought he out. was. Oh, okay. I misread. It's Miles Morales is Spider-Man, not Miles Morales is the Spider-Man. Okay. All right, fine. Um, it, it, it's, it's something a lot of websites were misreporting yesterday. I was just going to say, I think some people were taking advantage of that in their clickbait ads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was um, this was cool because it's given us more of that not not end to the ultimates, but it kind of is. But that wrap up and, and you know seeing real Canon Peter talking to May and Gwen at the kitchen table. It's kind of cool seeing Tony and Tony battle with the. Um, the situation battle with how they feel they were responsible battle with the, the booze with the one trying to get the other one to stop drinking in front of him and certainly not offer him a drink. Um, there was a lot of stuff in here that I really kind of dug a lot, actually, mm-hmm. as compared to the first issue, this was significantly better. I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Okay. And, uh, I'm sure you read Thor's. Oh, I absolutely read Thor's. <laughs> Okay, let me start then by saying I like this. This was awesome. This, this was, was a, hilarious. This this was a CSI episode. <laughs> if you had told me I was going to get a police procedural starring Ultimate Thor and Beta Ray Bill, <laughs> Jason Aaron's a genius. Yeah, I love this. I I did. It was. It did it try it didn't try. It did what the that was that that was an X-Men or an Avengers where they were all just sitting around investigating the the scene. Or no no, that was a uh Justice League, the it was DC side. We we're just talking about that where they're all investigating the scene in the CSI but it's ridiculous and doesn't work. Mm-hmm. This did. Yes. This this so did throughout the entire thing, and you never question that Thor's freaking being a CSI dude. Like I'm just waiting for him to slap on some glasses in here, yeah, in the background kind of thing, and I would have loved it. <laughs> when they go to the lab specialist, that is freaking frog. Yeah, 
Yeah. And <laughs> getting chewed out by Odin, who's <laughs> like their captain. This was brilliant. And I love the stuff with Storm, with the mm-hmm. Muty stuff talk. And it was like, wow, that was. I would have liked to have seen her just kind of maybe clock them a little or do something. <laughs> it would have been cool. All right, that's it for me. All right. Uh, first of all, I caught up on one of the Secret Wars comics from last week that I hadn't read yet, uh, Weird World. Oh, I literally was starting to read it and then I stopped. It's very much like a Conan-type story, but with a bunch of sci-fi elements thrown in. Like, it's 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 a... You know, it's a sci-fi fantasy with magic and, and technology thrown together. It made no sense to me because it's a super obscure character, but it was still a lot of fun, and the artwork was fantastic. Hmm. So, yeah, it, as far as just something random that they threw out there, it's pretty cool to see something new and unique. I read the latest uh, Furiosa, or Mad Max comic prequel, uh, this one focusing on Furiosa. Because I loved the movie and I want to know more. <laughs> I I liked it. I think that's but the understatement of the year for you. Yeah, this is true. Seriously, <laughs> I liked it, but I think one issue was too short for the story they were telling here. Uh, for the amount of time that passed in the story, like it made sense for her character development, but the fact that it only took place over twenty pages and it was more what she was observing and less, you know, her own actions. Like, she was the same character for 18 pages, and then on the last two pages, she's different because the character development in the story wasn't her development. It was, you know, her observing stuff for other characters, and we didn't see her change. We just had to assume that, you know, she changed. I think it would have done better as, like, a two- or three-issue series, but, again, really nice artwork. I liked it. I haven't seen the movie yet, not because I don't want to. I... I'm dying for it to come out on video so that I can pick it up. I will be watching it, so I'm excited for it. And everything that I've read about it is saying the right thing. So I'm really looking forward to it. Should I wait until after I've watched the movie before I read these or read these before? I would say you can read the Morton Joe and Nux one, the first issue, but I would not read the Furiosa prequel. Okay. Because it kind of gives away a, a couple plot points from the movie. Okay. And then finally, I uh, back on the DC side, I read the Black Canary comic. Didn't like it at all. It was just stupid. Like, she quits being a superhero because she doesn't have a money. Doesn't have a money. <laughs> Signs a record deal and goes on tour with a band. <laughs> it's Spider Gwen. <laughs> a bland. A bland. Wow. That, that was a Freudian slip right there. <laughs> a band that coincidentally is called Black Canary. MJ in the what's? What's the MJ's? Oh, God. I. That's It's the same thing. No, it's the Mary Janes is what yeah, it was called. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah. But it was just, it was dumb. I didn't like it at all. I, I It was pretty artwork. It had like that same Batgirl style art, but uh, a little edgier since it was more punk rock than hipster but not going to read the second issue because I really couldn't care less. And this was written by... I believe it's the same writer as Batgirl. I'm pulling it up. Okay, well, screw you. Oh, hold on a second. Brian Fletcher. Yeah, Brandon Fletcher is uh, the same writer as Batgirl. And it was Annie Wu, who I liked her work on uh, Hawkeye. So, but yeah, sorry. Wanted to like it, (laughs) don't. And that's all I got. Like I said, it was kind of a, a down week. Yeah. 
All right, let's look at what's coming out this week. On the Marvel side, we've got Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies number one. We've got Black Widow number 19, Daredevil 16, Ease for Extinction number one, Infinity Gauntlet number two, Korvac Saga number one, Modok, Modok, whatever, Assassin number 205, Planet Hulk number two, Uncanny Avengers number five, Where Monsters Dwell number two of five, and X-Men 92 number one. Is that actually going to be like the X-Men of the 1992? It's the animated series X-Men. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC side, Batgirl number 41. Gotham by Midnight number six. Been waiting for that next one. Grayson number nine. Green Lantern, The Lost Army number one. Injustice, Gods Among Us, year four, number four. Justice League 3001, number one. Here's hoping. Superman number 41. Teen Titans number nine. We Are Robin number one. On the image side, we've got Sons of the Devil number two. Tithe number three of four, Walking Dead, 143, and Wayward, number nine. And from everybody else, we've got Tomb Raider, number 17, from Dark Horse Comics. One of these days, we're discussing all of these, either on this podcast or on For the Lore in prepping for the game coming out. Mm. Definitely. And Transformers, More Than Meets the Eyes, number 42, from IDW. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you for listening. Make sure to stop by For the Lore. We had our 150th episode where we did our fourth session of D&D. And despite being sick, had quite a bit of fun. Raised some hell. Maybe got in some. a little trouble. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? And we are going to be recording tonight our E3 episodes. Or if you are a gamer and you were keeping up a little bit with what was going on last week with E3, you will definitely want to listen to that to get our opinions, wise-ass comments, everything on what happened last week. With that, make sure to stop by the site, commonbookinformer.com. You can find us on Twitter at CBinformer and on iTunes. Make sure to leave us some comments, and we'll talk to you guys next week. I keep having to cough, and I can't talk. <laughs> <coughs>